thing, I want you to be honest with yourself because a lot of times as believers or, or non-believers, we all are in this thing called life and on a journey that we realize that we're either about ready to go into a storm or we're in a storm or we're coming out of a storm. But how is it that you deal with the things in life that you're going through? This morning, we're going to be talking about the subject of coming out of a storm and realizing that some of us don't ever want to make another choice. We just say, you know what, I, I'm, I'm down, I'm out. This morning, I want to begin by telling you, even though we realize the choices we make today determine where we are tomorrow, just like where we are today determined what we made choices maybe weeks, months, and years ago, that we serve a God of the second chance. That His grace is sufficient for you, and I'm glad, but I'm sure glad it's sufficient for me. I want you to turn to Isaiah 43, verse 1. Turn in your iPads, your iPhones, your Bibles. Some people say, Pastor, you put it on the screen. Why do I need to even bring my Bible? So that you'll know where it is when you're not here at the church. Isaiah 43, verse 1. Now listen to this. This is, again, Lisa had no idea, to my knowledge, that I was going to read this passage of Scripture. But when she said that God has called you by name, it's out of this passage, Isaiah 43, verse 1. Watch this. But now, God's message. The God who made you in the first place, Jacob, the one who got you started, Israel, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called you. I've called your name. You're mine. Can anybody say hallelujah for that? Praise God. He's called us by name and he said, no, no, you're mine. Just stop there a minute. Did you have problems this Thanksgiving saying something you're thankful for? There it is right there. You missed it. He's saying, I made you in the first place. I'm the one that got you started. Now, now a lot of us are walking on what has happened in our past. We're afraid to do something else. He said, don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. A, a scripture or a, a biblical word that says, I've purchased you back and restored you to full value. Hallelujah. Sometimes you feel like you were a 50-cent piece, now you're a penny, huh? God says, no, 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 I'm redeeming you, restoring you back. Don't be afraid. I've called your name. Put your name in there. I've called you, John. You're mine. When you're in over your head, does anybody feel like you're over your head? Okay, there's, there's some honest people here today. Anyway... Listen, when you are over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, oh my goodness. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. You say, well, God, how's that? Well, good thing you asked because the next part he says, because I am God, your personal God. Personal God. I love the translation. I'm your personal God. In other words, I have a relationship, if you want one, with me. I'm your personal God. Don't just know of me, but know me. 
I'm your personal God. The holy of Israel, your Savior. I paid a huge price for you. And then he goes into saying, all of Egypt with rich cushions and Seba thrown in. That's how much you mean to me. That's how much I love you. Now listen to this. This one just kind of tops the cherry on top, you know. He said, I'd sell off the whole world to get you back, trade the creation just for you. Let me tell you, in knowing your identity, today we sung the song Overcomer, you know, that we've overcome the world, and maybe you've, you were singing it, maybe you remember the words that he's our savior, he's our friend. We wear the victor crown. See, sometimes we don't know our own identity so that when we come through the storm and we go, you know what, someone talks about making a comeback in our life, we go, eee. And then some people go, I'm ready right now. And we're going to talk about both of them this morning. And wherever you're at this morning, first of all, I wanted to point out that God says, I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. You don't have to be afraid when you're between a rock and a hard place. When you're going through the rough waters, you have to realize that I'm right there with you. Your identity in God is secure. But in making a comeback, doesn't it seem like the things that matter the least we learn the fastest? Come on now. When you're little and you put your finger in that little two-hole thing on the wall. Does anybody ever have to tell you, don't do that again? I got that. You're growing up and you stay up late at night and you think, you, hey, the party's starting about midnight. You get a little bit older and you go, midnight? Do I got to stay up till midnight? I've already learned I'm not going to be worth a lot tomorrow morning if I stay up at midnight. Come on now. How, how many people have learned what your cutoff time for coffee is in the afternoon? Mine is 3 o'clock. I can drink it at 8 o'clock at night, and then about 4 in the morning I'm like this. Why did I do? No, because I've learned. I don't do that. That's right. Wise pastor. <laughs> All those little things are non-essential. But what is it that the things that matter the most, sometimes it feels like we're on a cycle going around and around and around. We're going to be talking about that today. Things that matter most are finances, our relationships, like in our family and, and those people that we work with. And I think the common thing that everybody says is when they make a mistake again and again, Maybe you've said it. Here's the phrase. When will I ever? You've said it too, haven't you? <laughs> when will I ever learn? And, and really the common denominator in all of our problems is you. Me. And, and when you think about it, every time that we say, when will I learn, the key word is I. You follow yourself around. The greatest regrets that we have is us being in them. Have you realized, can you agree with me, that life just has its ups and downs? And so why do we put things in them that's going to cause more pain for ourselves? But we do it. 
And as a pastor, I, I've, I've seen so many people that you, you, and you have too, the train wreck's coming. And you go, why can't they see it? And they just, they're on a, a, a wreck destination and, and you go, hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. And they're like, I got this. I got this. And then they'll come back to a pastor and say, Pastor, why didn't you say anything? And I can imagine there's a lot of people that will go to God and say, God, why did you mess up my life? And God says, I haven't heard from you in months. <laughs> you made your choice without me. And a lot of times it's hard to help people out of that cycle that they're going through until the day that they hit the wall and then they say, I need help. When will I ever learn? And then at that point, they're ready for somebody to say, here's how you do it. But not necessarily is what they want to do even then. Let me give you three myths in making a comeback that a lot of people make. Three different things that they say or, or that they feel that are just wrong. Does anybody remember Family Feud or the exes came? How embarrassing is that to hear the, uh, you know. So this morning, just to kind of give you an idea of a myth that a lot of us believe that are wrong, I will give you the X. But it's not right. The first myth is the experience myth. The experience doesn't make you wiser. Can I, can I just tell you that? Experience doesn't make you wiser. That's wrong. Experience can make you older. It can make you more tired. It can make you lonelier. It can make you more frustrated. And that so many people, in making an attempt to make a comeback to what is God's truth in their life, in those experiences, just because they experienced it one or two or three or maybe a hundred times does not mean that they're going to have a successful comeback. Now let me say something that everybody will go, oh, okay, okay, I, I'm with you. See, experience doesn't make you wiser. Here it is, evaluated experience makes you wiser. Now here, here's the reason why I say that, and some of you would say, well, of course, evaluated is when you make mistakes in your past and you're saying, I don't want to do that anymore and I'm making a comeback, is because when we say those words, when will I ever learn? Then, then we stop, we go on, next. We, we only stop there, we, we never ever evaluate. Now what went wrong here? Well, why did I fall off the end of the cliff? And why is it that I will not do that again. We see people and we yell, get off the merry-go-round. It seems like you're just continually thinking that just because you went through it, you're not going to have to go through it again. The second myth is you hear people say, it, it's called the I know better myth. It's because since I know better, then I will do better this time. Why is it so much common sense you're going, Pastor, yeah. It's because I've done it too, if I'm not careful, again and again. 
Just because you know better doesn't mean that you have power to have a personal change in your life that's going to bring about the necessary change that you'll be successful the next time. Just because you know the difference between right and wrong doesn't mean that you're going to do better. So you could say, eh, that's wrong. Knowing better doesn't equal doing better. Now, let me give you another perspective on the same subject is, as children, you get to an age where you begin to say, you know what, I can see now because I'm 14. And I know right from wrong. And mom and dad, you can just hold your comments because voila, I know how to do better. And you get a little bit older. And at 16, you think, how child was I? childish I was at 14. I messed up, but I know better. I will do better. Mom and dad, hold it. Don't say anything else to me. And we go on, 18, 19. And there's a day that comes where we feel responsibility on our shoulders. You might get married, you might get a job, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, dad looks so much smarter. Anybody? I have a, a wonderful friend, and he pastors in, in, he, for years in, in Oklahoma, Pastor Bob. Some of you know him. And he says, you know what? When, when I got a little bit older, I thought, what happened to my dad? He got so smart. He must have been taking night classes. Just because you know better doesn't mean you're going to do better. What we've called it our house, the stupid stage where children go through, where it's not that they're stupid, they just think that everybody else is stupid. Don't talk into my life, I already know it. Sometimes when we come to God, we're in that, that childish stage where we, we, we say, God, I, I, what, how do I live life? And then we get into that adolescent part of our life, that teenage years where we go, God, Got this. I know that you're the creator of the universe. But if you need any questions answered, I got them. <laughs> Just because you know right from wrong doesn't mean that you're going to do better. Unless it's linked with knowing better and evaluated experience, you have a great chance of repeating the mistake that you've created or done in the past. That's why a lot of people that are having troubles in their relationships will say in a counseling session, what is wrong with all these people that I'm dating these days? It's because you picked them. You're a bad picker. Instead of saying, what do I have to do this time that's going to change the outcome of what I've experienced in the past. First one is experience myth. The second one is I know better myth. The third one is this, the time myth, which is saying that time is my enemy. Time is ticking by. I've got to come back right now. I've got all that I need. I've got to go now. I've got to go now. You know, my friends are getting, they're not getting any younger. I'm not getting any younger. My friends are doing it, and I've got to get in action. I've got to get married now after my second marriage. I've got to get, I've got to get back into debt. I've got to do all the things because I'm not getting any younger. 
opportunities are coming and coming, and I'm not getting any. I got to go. I got to make a comeback right now. Let me tell you, wrong. Let me tell you something that I learned. That a lot of times in a second marriage, there will be people that will go through a dramatic experience in a divorce. And there's something about it that they come out. And after a few months, they say, I'm lonely. So I've got to get right back in it. See, they feel like time is their enemy. But really, it's their friend. Allowing time. Now, Now, again, this is a revelation that came to me that I hope will help you. Emotions are like temperatures. They go up and down, but they go up a lot faster than they come down. Now, now think about that a minute. And you can write that down. Because when you come out of a mistake and your emotion gets really hot, I mean, you're, you're really, just like in, a, in, a, in your body, when you have a fever, your, your temperature will go up and it'll stay up. But once you begin to break that fever, you know that the temperature will come down to normal. But in our life, a lot of times, in our relationship mistakes and in our financial mistakes and other things, our our temperature, because of our emotions, will go hot. And we think that just because some time, just a little time has elapsed, we're good. Let's go again. And allowing God to restore and put back into you. Yielding yourself to God in the middle of the, in the middle of all that is saying, God, you know what? I, I didn't know what I was doing. And now I've got to submit to you. And I don't, it, it feels like I'm just sitting here and I, time is my enemy. I'm wasting time. No. God is saying, be patient. See, praying that God puts us in the right place at the right time to meet the right people to bring about all that God has planned for us. And then having the opportunity to realize that. Do you remember those things I've said in the past? The opportunity to realize that opportunity that's passing you is understanding that not everything is an opportunity for you. It could be in a relationship that you're carrying an offense, resentment. And right when it happened, you said, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to be hurt again. But again, you... Something happens in just a matter of days where you say, you know what, I'd rather be hurt again and, and, and I'll get right back into a situation that was wrong for me. Just because I don't want to be lonely. And somebody might be coming into your life and speaking into your life a God message and saying, whoa, 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 whoa. slow down, slow down. He said, well, I'm not dating her. We're just friends. Well, how do you think it's going to get to a dating relationship? In our finances, you, you've gone through a, an emotional time and the temperatures got up because you, you then realized that debt is like putting bricks in your backpack and you're in this prison of indebtedness and there's no peace in your life. And you begin to pay off some of those things or, or get out from under them. Someone buys something that was a big debt and you're going, you know what, I, I don't want to ever get there. And then the next day you say, I'm ready for a comeback. Look at that car right there. I'm ready for it. Now watch this. Emotional pain, just like physical pain, brings self-absorbent. Now, watch this. People that are self-absorbed don't have clarity. 
Do, do you realize that in, in physical pain, when, when you go through physical pain, let, let's say uh, if you've ever experienced a migraine headache, do you love Chatty Cathy sitting next to you? You're going, pop, 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 I need to, I just need to get away. You, you, you become self-absorbed and, and it's okay. I mean, that's natural. But, but in a way, you become selfish because you're saying, you know what? I, I, if you feel sick, huh? Do, do you want to be around a bunch of people or do you, a lot of times you want to be by yourself? If you're physical, you know, not feeling good, a lot of times you want to make sure that everybody understands your pain. It's the same thing with emotional pain. When somebody's going through emotional pain, they, they want to talk about the problem. And again, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that is wrong. I'm just saying that's reality. And when you see a person that has emotional pain, they'll talk about the pain today, they'll talk about it tomorrow, and you can expect next week when you see them, they're going to be talking about the pain. This is what's happened in my life. I'm in pain. My boss is causing me problems. Tomorrow he'll be causing you problems and next week you'll be having problems in that relationship problem. Self-absorbed. And here's what I want you to see. In this, this problem of time being an a, a answer, just now I can go back and do the comeback instead of giving it time. Is a lot of times when, when a person's in that place of pain and they're self-absorbed their clarity is not there they can't see clear so they're making decisions based on a wrong perspective a self-absorbed perspective a selfish perspective a bad perspective so let me say it this way time is your friend it feels like your enemy but it's not now after I see these three myths, a lot of people would say, I know that that's probably typical for most of these people in here, but if you knew my problem, you would know that I'm, I'm different. And you would agree with me that I'm right, ready to come back right now. Can I tell you something? If we knew everybody's problems that we've gone through in our life, you'd realize that your problem isn't unique. And if we realized we're really not unique, there's people all over the world that are going through the same thing that we are. The, the, the understanding today is making a comeback to allowing God to bring us back and restore us and renew us to the place that he has for us. When you look through the Bible, of some of the people that have made the greatest comebacks, I mean, there's so many. I, I, I just want to mention, if you think about Moses, I mean, the guy kills somebody, you think he had a relationship problem? And, and then he, he runs out into the wilderness for years before making a comeback. When you think about David falling in immorality, we just went through a series of David and making a comeback. When you, when you think about the Apostle Paul, come on, man. He's killing Christians. And the Bible says that he goes out into the desert of Arabia for years before he comes back and really changes the world. 
there's something there for us that we can learn in in making a comeback. And and I really thought about preaching this series in January. But so many times that in January, it's already the start of the year is already going. And if it's kind of like the the read the Bible in a year thing, you know, I'm going to read that Bible in a year in in about the 15th of the month. You go, I'm about 20 chapters behind next year. Next year, I'm going to read the Bible through in a year. So this morning, I kind of want to ramp up to the first of the year. And so that you can begin to think about these things. Allow God to heal you in those situations, in your relationships, maybe in your finances, all those areas that you've said, you know what, I've had a setback. Instead of giving up, you're going to say, I'm going to get up and I'm going to make a comeback when God's ready for me to, again, show myself. Watch this. Here's what I want to encourage you. The first step in your comeback. You got your pen, put it to the side and get a Sharpie, you know, one of those big ones, and make this number one point. That's all I'm going to talk about today. We'll go on next week. But the number one point I want you to start with is ownership. This is part of the, the, the comeback in your life that is the hardest, and it is taking ownership of the problem that you've experienced. If you quickly turn over to one of the most well-known stories. It could be on that game show called The Blame Game. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Two people are on the face of the earth called Adam and Eve. Good-looking folk. They don't have children, but they have everything that they want. Anybody want to be there? Anybody? Anybody? Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. They've already done what they shouldn't have done. Now they're getting what they really didn't think that they would get. Watch. God called to the man, where are you? He said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. Can you say, I hid? Ready? I hid. You'll never forget that if it comes out of your mouth. Listen to that. I hid. God said, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat from? I love that. God would say that. He wants it to come out of Adam's mouth. The man said, the woman you gave me as a companion. She gave me fruit from the tree and I, yes, I ate it. God said, the woman, what is it that you have done? The serpent. Seduce me, she said, and I ate it. Now, now think about some of these quick points before we leave here today that you can take with you. In ownership. The first thing he says, where are you? He says, I was hiding, I hid. All of a sudden, Adam, just like us, realizes there's a day of accountability for what has happened. Now, now listen, when, when I say ownership, there's a, it's kind of a joke because most of us go, well, I, I don't need to take ownership because it was my fault. She did that to me. He left me when he said he would never leave me. The company did me wrong. My teacher said one thing and did another. It's it's hard to take ownership when we feel like it's not our fault. And the thing is, is you're right. You're true. It's true. But it's just not the whole story. What Adam and Eve are saying is the same thing. They come to a day where there's an accountability. 
And they have to understand that this is a season in the garden where there is no rules, just responsibilities. You can have everything, just don't eat of that one tree. And they eat of the one tree. Accountability. See, when, when God says, what did you do? Did you eat of the tree? Can you imagine if Adam would have said, yes, I did, and I take full responsibility for my actions. If it's possible, leave Eve out of this. She had nothing to do with it. Anybody? What would happen? Ownership. But in Genesis chapter 3, verse 12, it says, look, look at it again. The woman you put here with me gave me some fruit. So really, God, it's between you and her to work it out. When you guys get it worked out, I'll be here waiting for your apology. And if you say it right, you say it with the right attitude, then I'll forgive you, God, creator of the universe, wisdom, and maybe you, Eve. He didn't say that. He just said, she did it. What did you do, woman? Serpent. And when we look at that, think about it. Isn't that amazing how that sums up our conflict in our marriages? When I think they need you out in the hall for a minute. And when you think about it, the serpent says, when they said, you know, God's the serpent. Yeah, I did it. That was my intent. The enemy will take responsibility for knocking us off every time. The first two people on the earth did what we do to mess up our life. We, we begin to blame. Again, hide, and then when we're found, we blame. Hide, blame. A lot of times we're never sorry until we're caught. Write some of these things down that will help you. If you don't own your past, you will undermine your own future. Again, what is your side of the story is true. It's just not the whole story. You can blame your way into the future, but you can't blame your way into a better future. Mm. Write this one down. Blame enables us to smuggle our issues into our future. See, because he did me wrong, I have a right. And that blame gives us the ability to go right into our future carrying that we didn't take ownership of the problem in any way. A few months ago in our, in our service, I passed out a piece of paper and it had a circle. And I said, in your relationship, maybe with your wife, what percentage of the pie is your fault? And it's funny because I saw somebody's and it looked like it was a little, you know, little sliver. 
And then I looked on the back and it said Gwen Miller. And I said, there it is. No. I'm going to pay for that one right there. Threw me off. Okay, give it. See, a lot of times we think all I have to do is to convince myself that my side of the story was okay. And really what you're doing is you're hiding. Nobody's going to see it. Nobody's going to see my side of the story. All I, I'm the one. I'm the loudest voice. I can present my side of the story. And again, we come back. Now I'm more experienced. I'm going to do better. A myth of I know better now. I'm going to do better. Time is running out. No, 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 no. Don't fall into the myth of all those things unless you start with ownership. I won't blame and hide my past. If you think about it, blame sets us up for repeat performance. Let me say it again. Blame sets us up for repeat performance. There's something about ownership that creates purity in our life because it says in the Bible that the Beatitudes is blessed is the pure in heart for they shall see God. Clarity. I believe that that doesn't mean that you're going to get a vision or the pure at heart's going to get a vision of Jesus with a beard. No, you're going to see God. You're going to see the way that God has for you. And there's something about a person that has a pure heart that comes clean and says, God, I take ownership of the problem. Yeah, no, it wasn't all my fault. But in taking ownership, the creating a pure heart gives you clarity of making a good comeback, a successful comeback. Maybe you, you had a fight with your parents and you say, they did this, they did that. But until you take ownership, you'll never have the relationship to make a comeback. Can I just end again with reminding you who you are to give you clarity in making your comeback at the end of this year and into next year? Isaiah 43.1, as I started this message, but now God's message. The God who made you in the first place, the one who got you started, don't be afraid. In other words, don't hide, don't blame. Take ownership. Don't be afraid. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, I'll be there with you. When you're in rough waters, you'll not go down. When you are between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a dead end. Today I speak over your life. It's a new day for you. As you say, God, I am right where you have me. God, I'm yielding to you. God, it's my heart that I have clarity in what to make a decision in getting into maybe a, a new relationship or, or, or starting a new job. See, it's easy for motivation of going, let's dream, let's get up, let's go, let's go, let's go. But it's not easy sometimes in making a comeback to get up again. To forgive those that have hurt us. To make some changes in our life. To take ownership of the past and say, God, I'm ready.
when you are my comeback. Would you pray with me today? God, you're such a gracious God. And God, you are our Father, which means that you're personal. The Father that we don't look to the left and right to find you, you're right here with us. And Father, help us, first of all, to understand that, that no matter where we go, that you choose to be with us. God, your desire is to redeem us if we'll allow you to. And Father, I just pray that as we end 2017, for some of us, it might not have been a good year. And God, everything in us is saying, let's just sit down and do nothing. Life has gotten so busy. I've been hurt in the past. I just want to. I just want to stop. God, I pray that Father, that we know that you have perfect timing for us. And when we yield ourselves to your wisdom, God, sometimes it's not easy. But God, we know that you have the right time. For us to make a comeback. Until then God. We just stay learning more about you. We stay God. In a, in a place of worship with you. And thankfulness with you. God we deal with the emotional temperature. That might be high. That we don't even realize. Until God. We realize that the opportunity. That is in front of us. Is from you. And God, we realize that with you, God, a comeback is possible. Father, we thank you for your love in our life. Let let me just ask you this morning, church, if you're here and you feel like, Pastor, I've had a rough year, would you just bow your heads just for a few minutes? You you might be here and you say, Pastor, I I, I feel like I've, I've messed up. And I'm not talking about maybe sexual immorality. I'm not talking about things like that. But I'm talking about maybe you feel like you have maybe even grown cold in your relationship with God because of circumstances that are around you. The culture maybe that you put yourself in. And this morning you might be here and you say, Pastor, I I need a new day. I need a change of direction. Today I realize that God might, when you talked about God and, and having a place for me and at a time for me. I didn't even know where I was. That I could even ask for help to get where I need to be. But maybe this morning, church, you'd say, I need a change of direction. And I don't even know where that is in my life as far as the direction that God would have me. But I know with clarity I'll make that right decision. I know that God loves me and nobody's here condemning me, but God wants me. He loves me and wants the best for me. Then this morning, I could have you raise your hand. I could have you stand up. I could have you come up to the front. But I want you to realize that that's not going to do anything different than right where you sit in your heart purposing, yeah, that's me. And so this morning, can you just yield yourself to God? 
I sit here and I don't say anything for five minutes, would you become uncomfortable? That's what I'm asking you to do in the next few days as this year ends, is just to sit quiet before God. Say, God, I need direction in my life, clear direction, that I might go in the right direction. If you're here today and that's you, let me just pray for you. God, you know exactly where we are. God, you know exactly where we are. Father, this morning, we ask as we just wait upon you in the next couple days and weeks, as this year ends, God, that you would begin to show us a way back, a comeback. Starting over to beginning fresh in 2018 to declaring over our lives that 2018 can be the best year in our life. Not something that we're responsible, but God, that we've yielded to you and you've given us clarity and direction. And Father, that's what we pray because that's our desire today. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's give our pastor.